Episode 114 for October 2010. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example of their rollback prices is on Amazing Spider-Man number 650. This one's written by Dan Slott and features a new Spider-Man suit and also the return of the Hobgoblin. Now, the cover price for this one, $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Welcome back to our October show, gang, and let's introduce the Spider panel this month. We have Jr. from SpideyKicksButt.com, and Jr. Every October, I ask you what your son's going to be for Halloween. What's he dressing up this year? Well, it's funny you ask. We uh, we just went shopping for a costume yesterday, and he is going to be Commander Cody. Is that who you're going to be? He is going to be Commander Cody from the Star from uh, the Clone Wars. Oh, uh, I don't show. remember that character. I don't think he was in any of the movies. I think he's okay. just a regular on the Clone Wars no, uh, TV series. He's oh, he is in the movies? Yeah, I'll be. He's, uh, he's the guy that tries to kill Obi-Wan uh, in the third oh. movie, the Clone Trooper. Oh. oh. And are you dressing up this year, J.R.? <sighs> hadn't planned on it. No? <laughs> <laughs> what? No, no, I hadn't. Um, I don't know, though. I'm losing some weight, so I might even I might oh. be able to fit back into my Spider-Man costume. So Very nice. uh, I don't know yet. I got a couple of weeks uh, to go. So. Very nice. They actually I've seen on uh, one of the Halloween websites that they have a, a Spider-Man costume with web pits, and it's based on the Spectacular Spider-Man design. Oh really? I've never seen a Spider-Man costume with web pits, so I thought that was extra cool. Neither have I. The thing that gripes me though is when we were looking for costumes for Spencer yesterday, yeah. I, I was seeing. The larger spider, I mean, full adult size, full size, big guy Spider-Man costumes. Like a 2XL? Where the the hell were these, you know, 10 years ago, you know, when I I was, it was just like, (laughs) And we have uh, Stella from the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. And Stella, are you dressing up this year? No, I'm dressing down. and and, uh, Yeah, attempting to. What? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm just sick of dressing down. That has that brings all kinds of connotations to mind. I mean, dressing down. Well, because I dress up every day, you know, as a teacher. So now I'm just dressing down and hopefully have a nice night to myself. Oh, there you go. You know, it's it's a lot easier just to go to the the gas station get some candy. You know, no knocking on doors or nothing. True, yeah. There you go. And we have uh, writer Kevin Cushing from the Spider-Man Crawl Space webcomic and the new Jeff Johns podcast. Kevin, are you breaking out the fangs? <laughs> no. Uh, no. My manager actually wants us to dress up for Halloween at work or the, you know, the work day before Halloween. And I'm thinking, if I just put on that plastic green lantern ring I have, it's kind of taken care of. There you go. <laughs> nice. I'm green lantern out of costume. <laughs> And unfortunately, Zach and Michael Bailey had to work, so I thought to myself, who could fill the spot of two people? So I called up Texas, and we got George Behrman. <laughs> He's a moderator on the Crawl Space Message Board, and his pride and joy on the board is the Fight Club Forum, which has really taken off. Welcome, George. Thank you for filling in. I am happy to be here. Awesome. He is raring to go, too. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> unfortunately, you don't have any Zach jokes. You can't pick on Zach. I'm not gonna pick on Zach today. I'm gonna I'm gonna save uh, picking on people for other folks. Okay. <laughs> at least at least one other person. But we'll get to that when we start reviewing. Exactly. And um, also on this show, we'll do some iTunes reviews towards the end. 
And one of the iTunes reviews said, I like the show, but it needs more Barrowman. So I listened to <laughs> did it. What? Did it really? I swear to God, it really did. So I'll, I'll read that review in a bit. But uh, one of the to- one of our topics this month, uh, the biggest, I think, relating to Spider-Man, there's some casting news with the Spider-Man reboot movie. They've cast a gorgeous-looking redhead to pay- play a blonde. <laughs> Emma Stone, uh, she's an actress, has been cast as Gwen Stacy. You probably know Emma Stone from such movies as Superbad and Zombieland, and she was also in... Uh, the movie I think is still out in theaters called Easy A, and according to IMDb, she's uh, rumored to be in the 21 Jump Street movie, and another little-known movie that she was in was called the New Partridge Family TV movie, where oh. she paid Lori Partridge. Oh. So let's let's have the uh, the new guy, George. <laughs> George, what do you think of Emma Stone as uh, Gwen Stacy and not Mary Jane? I thought for sure this she was going to be cast as MJ. Why? Because she was going to be because she's a redhead. Yeah, I mean, she looks more Mary Janeish than I've got. I've got trivia for you. She's a natural blonde. Okay, but she she actually dyes her hair red. Okay, but she's got freckles and stuff like that. Yeah, but George. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Would you not consider Christina Hendricks your favorite a redhead? That girl's just been dying since she was twelve. But I'd say she counts. She's also a natural blonde. That's right. Um, I love two I, minutes in the show where we brought up Christina Hendricks. But no, I, I I like Emma Stone as an actress, and I think yeah. she would have played a great MJ. I think she's miscast as Gwen. But then, yeah. what I've heard, everything I've heard from this movie says that this is going to be the ultimatized version, which is you know let's clearly go with the with the you know the continuity that's even more failed than the regular continuity. <laughs> so she's going to be like the oh, I guess it's like everything's ultimatized. And remember, like Gwen was supposed to be the in Gwen the bad girl or whatever. Well, Gwen, Ultimate Gwen has like tattoos and uh, yeah, piercings. so. And yes. she's also Carnage, so I don't know. Yeah. Just the red so, hair. It'll come into play then. I guess. So, you know, who I, – I don't even know anymore. I, I think she's a good actress, and I think she'll do fine in whatever it is that they have her doing. If it is Gwen Stacy, uh, which they keep – at first it was Mary Jane, then it was Gwen Stacy, and I, I – it's like a tennis match. I give up. No. Um, so but, thumbs, yeah, I mean – Thumbs a, up or thumbs a, down? What do you think? Uh, she's a, I think she's a great actress, and she, I think she can do a, a good job. I just think she's kind of miscast for classic Gwen Stacy, but I, that's not what they're going to do anyway. So, Jr. Is she throw off the bridge material? <laughs> well, <laughs> I hope not, uh, because uh, I that would be um, that would be a little bit too reminiscent of the first movie. Actually, uh, I, I agree. But, um, you know, I, I I don't you know I don't know a lot of these young actors anymore, so I have no idea as to her acting ability. But in looking at pictures of her, uh, I mean, she to me she looked like a young Mary Jane. There was something about her eyes, mm-hmm. and it was just you know something like she was kind of a naughty girl or a party girl. <laughs> uh, but I but I guess if she's going to play Skanky Gwen, then you know. That's- <laughs> Uh, nice. That might that might work. Um, as far as Gwen over MJ, uh, I, I'm actually in favor of it because I really, I mean, after the three Raimi movies, I really do want to see something different. I want to see them use new character, some well, new characters for the movies, but you know, old characters to us. Um, so, but I, I again, I'm not I'm not really hip on the on, on the ultimate version though. So, well, you know, the mod- the six one six version, she slept with Norman Osborn. Well, he hasn't I just, slept with Norman Osborn. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to. Get, let's not even get into that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Someone that liked the sleeping with Norman Osborn story was Kevin. Didn't you like that one? 
Uh, yeah, Sins Pass is one of my favorites, although I, I, well, let's not get into that. <laughs> JR said. Um, yeah, I, I agree with George, though, about this. It's, uh, it definitely pretty much proves that they're going for Ultimate Gwen, or as JR almost put it, Gwen Skanky. Um, <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, but I think they're gonna ultimately, no pun intended, sorry, uh, get it wrong. Because if they're gonna do Ultimate Gwen, it sounds like they're not planning to make Mary Jane the main love interest, but Ultimate Gwen was never really that, that main love interest, and she's not built that way, so, uh, I don't know if they can pull this off. Yeah. And also, according to her IMDb, a uh, little factoid, it says she was ranked number 49 on Maxim's Hot 100 list. Number 48 was Stella. So, Stella, what do you think of uh, <laughs> Emma Stone? Well, as yeah, well. I have been, you know, toning my abs as of late. So, uh, well, you know, I... What? Oh, I we lost like her. The only oh, person. we lost her. We lost there her. There she is. I'm back? You're back. You're back. Okay. I'm, you were just yeah, taken aback by being number 48. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was just saying, never mind. Um, who's this Christina person that you guys are talking about? That's, you know... <laughs> Does that mean she's a porn star? I don't know. No, no, no. She, no. Uh, have you, have you seen Firefly, Stella? No, I have not. Have you seen? Why that? have you not seen Firefly, Stella? I'm sorry. Go see Firefly, okay. Stella. Okay, so I guess that's the reason why I don't know who it is. Um, have you ever watched Mad Men, Stella? No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's the hot redhead girl on uh, Mad Men. Okay. She's the hot redhead girl in whatever she's in. <laughs> okay. okay, so I think when I saw this news, I commented on the front page that, you know, once again, we're casting someone with a lot of charisma for a role that doesn't necessarily need that much. And if we're going along Ultimate, I guess I can't really comment on the character of Gwen, but just my perception of her in ASM, I didn't really think she was as outgoing as Mary Jane Watson. Um, so I... Th- and we lost Mary her again. Jane? What? And she's back. And she's back. You just dropped now? for a couple seconds again. I don't know what's That's happening. weird. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how I can fix that. But that, I guess I'm done with my talking. <laughs> you, basically, to sum it up, you said that she has a lot of charisma and the, and the role lacks it. It's a very vanilla-ish character. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And another bit of casting news. Uh, we have uh, Rice Ifens, who I've never really heard of. However, according to his IMDb, he's going to be in the upcoming Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. He was also in a movie called Pirate Radio. I think I've kind of heard of that. He was in Hannibal Rising, and he was the voice of Mick Bunny in Garfield, A Tale of Two Titties. I mean, Kitties. <laughs> Whoa. Excuse me. Excuse me. Dear God, dude. Sorry. I was oh, wow. Hendrix. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> God. He's allegedly been cast as Kurt Connors, a.k.a. the Lizard, because we're putting this together because Sony has put out a casting call for a young Billy Connors and a young Peter Parker. So, Actually, according to Deadline.com, I think, uh, they did confirm that he's Kurt Connors. Okay, there we go. And someone who hates Kurt Connors is Kevin, and <laughs> how are they going to pull this off and make it a good movie? Well, I tell you what, I saw this casting and thought, you know, this is the final solidification that the whole point of this movie is saving money right and left. Yeah. I mean, really, you start with a director who's getting paid maybe a fourth of what Sam Raimi would. Toby Maguire would have commanded probably like a freaking billion dollars, whereas this kid's getting a half a million. 
You've got uh, Emma Stone is not getting nearly as much, I'm sure, as Kirsten Dunst would. And now we've got a no-name actor for the main villain instead of John freaking Malkovich. Mm. So Sony is saving just oodles and gobs of money on this picture, and I feel like that's the entire point, which worries the shit out of me. So it's going to be a Uh, great value Spider-Man? Yeah. It's it's family dollar (laughs) Spider-Man. You would hope they would put all that extra money they're saving into the special effects for the lizard, although I kind of doubt it. But, uh, yeah, the lizard is a really freaking boring choice for first main villain for your new Spider-Man franchise. And, yeah, we've got a casting call out for Billy Connors now, so I'm sure we're going to get that good old classic story where the lizard eats his kid. Oh, oh no. <laughs> if, if, a, if a movie ever needed a second villain, it's this one. I don't think yeah. you can carry a, a movie with just a lizard. At least throw a shocker in there. Yeah. Excuse me? I uh, phrased it that George- way. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> wow, George is purring again. George, what do you think of Rice Iphens? I don't think I've ever seen him or anything or, or ever noticed him stand out in anything. Um, I, it's, it, Kevin is exactly correct. And, you know, back when it was announced this was going to be rebooted and people were like, oh, maybe they'll get uh, this big name director or Whedon or Cameron. And I was I was pointing out to people before the, the director was named, I was like, they're going to get someone like Tim Story from the Fantastic Four movies that they can get for like a couple of bucks and, and dictate exactly what's going to happen to. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. And every casting decision they've made so far has been people that they don't have to pay that much. So Kevin is exactly right. They're doing it on the cheap. It's like they want to they want to they want to maximize profits on something that they probably realize they're not going to be able to keep doing much longer. You know, now that Disney owns the character and Disney Disney, I mean, let's face it, Disney wants to get Spider-Man back. Yep. So they're just they're just milking it right now. They're milking it, and I don't. This is which this is what stops me from taking anything about this this new movie seriously. That and the fact that it's ultimatized. Um, I've I've got absolutely no interest in it now. Well, we're all still going to go see it, aren't we? I don't know that I will. I didn't see really. <gasps> I didn't see Spider-Man three in the theater. I I didn't see it until uh, Blu-ray. And when I fa- when I finally saw it, I actually liked it. I think more than most people did. Mm-hmm. But the um, I just I, there's no, and I think you know I think the way the Spider-Man comics are right now uh, kind of plays into this. There's there's no interest for me. There's no energy for me in anything really Spider-Man related anymore. Like if somebody said, well, Spider-Man's in this, I'm going to look at it and say, like, you know what, I'm going to see that, and I'm going to get sad because, you know what, because that's just my, my worldview on Spider-Man now. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know that I'm, that I'm going to see it, actually. I, I don't know that. Yeah. JR, you're, you're going day one, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> because, yeah, because, well, you know, I mean, I've been a Spider-Man geek for, you know, 30-something years, and yeah. uh, plus Spencer keeps talking about it, you know. It's like, yeah. when does it come out, and how old will he be when it comes out? And, you know, so it's it's not so much really a Spider-Man movie as it is uh, an excuse for father and son to go out together and enjoy something. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I share everybody's, uh, boy, um, hesitancy here about it. Uh, first of all, the lizard is not my favorite villain. Um for various reasons, I think he's a one-note villain. I really is. I really do. Uh, but he has been, I mean, if you read the Internet, I mean, he's been, everybody asks, when's the lizard going to be in a movie? I mean, he seems to be a very popular choice among a lot of people who post. Mm-hmm. I, well, I don't fair, know why. I, I don't I'm sorry? So much that, I just, I just want to say I don't think it's so much that he's a popular villain. I think it's because we saw Kurt Connors in two movies in a row. Where people were yeah. saying, when the hell is the lizard going to show up? <clears throat> 
Well, that's true. That's true. You know what? You know what would have worked better for the lizard? The lizard. Remember how like the old James Bond movies used to have him doing something for the first twenty minutes? You know that was that was mm-hmm. yeah. loosely tied into the rest of the plot later, or like uh, Van Helsing at the beginning of Van Helsing, he's hunting what uh, Doctor is it, is it Quasimodo or Doctor? Uh, I think it was Quasimodo. Mr. Hyde. You know that was sure. that just set the tone for everything that would come after what the credits. That's what the lizard needed to be. The lizard needed yeah. to be the first twenty minutes of a movie where he just gets to fight somebody, show off his agility, show off his strength, and a giant CGI fight. Just, well, I, to, just to get the crowd going. I think we've all been saying that he needs a throwaway villain in the very beginning. I mean, yeah. I remember oh, yeah. when Spider-Man 3 was coming out, and uh, I don't think we were doing the show when 2 came out, but uh, we've all said that a good 20-minute fight, then roll credits of a Bond-esque intro oh, yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like they did with the Alex Ross in, in Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stella, what do you think? Have you seen anything this guy's been in? I have not, um, and he does look familiar, and all I have to say about his appearance is that, boy, I hope he doesn't look as disheveled when he has a Ph.D. Or in front of his name. Yeah. So um, I'm a fan of The Wizard, but I don't think he can carry a movie on his own, right. and I think that there are um, – I don't know if you call him a B-lister, but he's kind of like an A-minus-lister. I think there are better A-minus-listers, like Shocker. I mean, he's one of my favorites that I think would be able to carry an entire movie. Um, but I yeah. guess... I, I just don't get... I think sh- the Electro or the Shocker would be great visually with all the electric sparking around, etc. I just don't see a, a lizard in a lab coat being visually cool up on a screen. I don't know. Well, it, it, well, it would depend on what he's doing. I mean, he, he's got yeah. giant. He's going to have to have giant claws, <laughs> giant teeth. He's going to be throwing cars around and yeah. you know, like buses and stuff. I mean, it could be really cool to look at, but it's not going to carry a movie. I'm sorry, Kevin. It's, it's going to look like no, a Velociraptor that, uh, from Jurassic Park with a lab coat, I think. <laughs> but Stella is right that I don't think he can carry a movie, and that in itself worries me. That they, it makes me think they might be doing the origin again to kind of carry the other half of the movie that the lizard's not carrying. And I don't think any of us want to see the origin again. One we thing all freaking know it. One thing I think that from that casting call that you just mentioned a while back, I, I, what I think they're going to show is an aspect of the origin that we haven't seen in the films, which is what I think will happen is if they have a six-year-old Peter Parker, they're going to show how he went to Uncle Ben and Aunt May as a little kid, which I think, I think would I'd be kind of neat on film, I think. I think, though, that they... I think they might do that sequence, but I think it'll be maybe a five to ten second sequence. Mm. You know, they could just easily have this really quick flashback and, you know, show him being handed into their arms or something, and that's all we get. You know, the ca- the fact that they're casting for a six-something-year-old Peter Parker doesn't mean that he's going to talk or get more than 15 seconds of screen time. Yeah, it's, we, we shouldn't ex- expect, like, that one really awesome scene out of Batman Begins, remember? Or, or that, that sequence, you know, where, like, Bruce Wayne was a kid, and then Alfred comes in, and then Bruce starts crying. It's my fault. It's my, we're not going to get that. Mm. And, and the more I see, see him on television, the more I hope that they stick with uh, J. Jonah Jameson, the actor. Forgive me. What's his name again? J.K. Simmons. Oh, I hope they but just they won't. keep him. I hope they do, because, like, the Bond movies kept him. Yeah, that was one thing in the... Uh... The panel at NYCC with Tom DeFalco and Fred Van Lente that everybody in the audience and on the panel agreed that if they keep nothing else, they have to keep J.K. Simmons. Yep. Everybody loves the guy because he did perfect, but mm-hmm. they won't do it. They will not Judy Dench him in. 
<laughs> I think uh, before I, uh, I think one reason we're seeing the lizard though, I think is is merchandising. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think yep. that they think they can design a cool lizard, suppose and you know and sell it to all the kids. You know, um, I I mean. Probably my son will want one. I mean, depending on how it looks. Um, in fact, supposedly, which you know, we've heard so many stories about why you know Spider-Man Four went down the tubes. Uh, supposedly, one of the reasons the Vulture didn't fly as a villain uh, with Sony was because they didn't think he was merchandisable. So you know, whether that's true or not, you know, who, who knows at this point in time? Uh, but I, I think definitely they're looking at uh, the merchandising angle. Yeah. Yeah, a little boy wouldn't want a little vulture and a black cat action figure, I don't think. Okay, that, no, uh, that gives me hope, because if it's toy-based, and that means that Stegron's going in, and, and then all hell's going to break loose. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, moving on to our that, next... That might actually make it a little more interesting if you do have Stegron. It really, it really might. You could flash back to that amazing 166 with Lizard and Stegron. Yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man yeah. and dinosaurs. That'll get the, that'll get the oh, preteen set interested. <laughs> well, remember when when I was a kid and the first uh, Spider-Man comics I was I had I was three years old and I was drawing in dinosaurs for him to fight into the comics. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think I, I'd see it. Moving on to our next topic, uh, something that came out uh, at the uh, New York Comic Con that Kevin attended was the uh, DC announced that they're lowering the price of their three ninety nine comic books. They're lowering by a buck. The 299 and what, Kevin, an hour or a day later, Marvel came out and said, we're doing it with an asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was it. a great thing about what DC yeah. did is they got out in front of it and basically forced Marvel to respond. And, and, and Marvel's response yeah. was weak as hell. Yeah. <laughs> only, new, was, only new series from Marvel are going to be 399. So yeah, which means yeah. we've already got 20 to 40 series that are 399. So we're going to keep gouging you for that and pretend we're doing something good for you. And uh, the uh, the DC lowered their page count a bit. I think they um, some of be, them will have two less story pages, which is not a huge deal. And really, it's they figured out a business model that they can do 2.99 for all their books. They get two more ad pages in the book. Right. Who cares? Stella, what do you think <laughs> of this announcement? Lowering it by a buck at DC because you buy a lot more DC than I do. That's very true. Yeah. Well, I mean, my pocket is happy, so yeah. you know, I'm happy about that. And you know, um, you know, Kevin just said two pages that's not too big but i think a lot can happen in two pages and so i'm wondering you know how will some of the dc books that i'm reading how will that shift to accommodate this uh this two-page business so so i assume when you say about this new books like anything new like the new heroes for for hire that's going to be straight 399 because it's new yeah that's what i understood i mean i i see I think just their regular titles that are already 399, like uh, Captain America and the Avengers, are still going to be 399. But uh, hopefully these miniseries come down because people might try the miniseries. But I'm going on an assumption that if you lower it by a buck, people will pick it up. Do you think that's true? Anyone? I think so. I mean, I don't know. I, I think price and money these days means a lot to a lot of people. So. Well, and that's what the DC guys at the convention were saying, especially the uh, the Sunday conversation panel with Dan DiDio and Jim Lee. They talked a lot about it. They said they did market research, and you know they were seeing that uh, you know people weren't just trying new titles anymore, and that's a big reason to do this 299 thing: get people trying new titles, let people read more stuff, 
and see what they like. And hopefully then that'll mean they read more books, which is good for the industry. Are, are you a, uh, an example of that, Kevin? Are you going to pick up more books? Well, I'll definitely have more money, too. Um, and, I mean, I w- I'm, I've cut down quite a bit, obviously. And for me, though, that might just mean it's easier when I have to pick up new books. Because Amazing Spider-Man is one thing, but I'm also now with the Johns podcast picking up anything Jeff Johns. And God knows he writes... You know, anywhere from four to ten books per month. So when I have to pick up, say, Flashpoint next year and when they uh, start their new second Flash ongoing series, you know, that'll just make that a lot easier for me to buy. Yeah. Uh, JR, have you ever noticed a price decrease? I I can only name one when they had 99-cent comics in the 90s, The Untold Tales of Spider-Man. Yeah, that's the the only one that I remember. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Lowering it a buck. I don't know. I mean, I'll wait. I mean, to be honest, I'll wait until I actually see it. Uh, but you know, it's it's I mean, three ninety nine definitely is is a big uh, threshold as far as uh, buying some new stuff, and particularly like the like you said, the miniseries. I mean, there's no point in experimenting at four dollars because you just, if it, if it, if you don't like it, <laughs> you're gonna feel pretty ripped off and never do it again. Mm-hmm. But to be to me, three dollars isn't that much better. Uh, I, I honestly, this, this is an old fart talking, but uh, I, I honestly believe a comic book should not cost. I mean, a regular standard size comic book should not cost any more than a dollar ninety nine. I mean, that that is my. I, I mean, I really believe that. I think that is is what they should cost. But you know, those days are long gone. Yeah. Uh, do you you don't pick it up any DC? I don't think do you? No, I no. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, George, what do you think? Is a buck going to make a difference? Um, it'll make a difference for people who already buy comics. It's to touch upon what Jr. just said. Um, you know, when I uh, I talk to people who show a passing interest, you know, every now and then, you know, friends of mine who aren't into comic books, but you know, they, their period their curiosity is piqued by something. They'll see a movie and they're like, oh well, you know, maybe I'll go check out a comic. What do you suggest? And I'll tell them, you know, this or maybe that. You know, they might like if they like this movie, and they're like, okay, well, how much does that cost? And I'm like, oh, it's about four bucks a pop now. Mm. And then just, they laugh. I mean, when I tell them it's four bucks, they laugh because I think I'm kidding. <laughs> and and then I, you know, and they're like, seriously, it's four dollars, four dollars for a comic book. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, what was it before that? I'm like, oh, it was three bucks. <laughs> and they laugh. So so these price points aren't going to get new readers. And everything, you know, you you listen to the marketing over the last what three, four years, five years really. It's oh, we have to get more readers in. We have to get more readers in. Well, you're not going to get people back into comic books at three dollars a pop, at four dollars a pop. But at three dollars a pop, DC is telling their their target audience, the people who are listening to them right now, hey, we know times are tough right now and everything sucks for a lot of people. Um, so we're not going to price gouge you, and we're going to make it more affordable for you to actually buy our product. Mm-hmm. So please buy our product. Because we're thinking about you, that is a big marketing thing. That's yeah. that is that is smart marketing. It, it's the smartest marketing that they could do right now, um, which of course dovetails into Marvel making the stupidest marketing announcement they could make. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you got to want to go to find. You you have to want to go to find a comic book these days, and yeah. the distribution is horrible. You have to go to a specialty shop, and we're having to pay to find comic books. I mean, I, I think until they improve their distribution, your prices are still going to be high because it's a specialty thing. It's not an impulse buy. It, uh, well, if I want to buy an issue of Cosmopolitan 
or l- let me make it more manly, car and driver, <laughs> I could easily go down to the newsstand in my local supermarket or my gas station, and I could find car and driver. I yeah. can't go to my gas station and find Spider-Man. Well, you know, I, I, I think about how quickly – I mean, because look at look at the price increases in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was the quickest cri- or price increase that I can remember? It was going from two ninety nine to three ninety nine. Yeah, and I, you know, and and people joke about the Bendis tax or stuff like that, but I, I think that has to play into it a little bit. It has to. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, yeah. you've got bigger creators demanding more these days than you ever have before, and part of that is people like Bendis who they have to keep because he's guiding the entire universe, or. It's also all these Hollywood people that they keep bringing in that are expecting more money than comics creators used to get, and they have to pay those guys. But another problem is also uh, fans don't want to take any responsibility, but another problem is illegal downloading. Mm -hmm. Apparently a recent uh, study, and you know, take it for what it's worth, but uh, showed that illegal downloading downloaded four times more copies on average than were actually bought of wow. your regular comics. And, you know, you think about that, think about what the sales could be, and that's a big reason they have to charge more because you've got four times free illegal downloads that they're not getting paid for. And if they were getting the money for those people that are reading the books illegally, then they wouldn't have to charge as much. That can that can still be uh, attributed to music too, which is what I think why they think they're going into the digital distribution a lot more, which I, I like think that. is perfect. I like Tony Bennett's take on digital da- or uh, all the all the you know pirating music because somebody asked him, and I, I think this was two years ago, and they said, "Well, what do you think about all this?" And he's like, "If today's music didn't suck, they would they would still buy it." <laughs> <laughs> and I <True>. thought, "Wow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow." But what do you think of digital comics, though, George? Um, I, I've got no use for them. Yeah. I mean, I, but keep in mind, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not even really buying stuff right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I, even when I'm, you know, we're going to review, we're going to do reviews here in a minute. I, I read somebody else's, mm-hmm. you know, a guy that lives 30 minutes away from me. Right. So I don't, I'm not really buying anything anymore. And, and I've got friends who record, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, my kids are getting into Spider-Man. They saw the cartoon, yada, yada. And, you know, what can I do? You know, what can I get them? And I'm like, I can't recommend anything to you now. I can't safely recommend anything to you now that's going to be suitable for your kids to read. The thing is, I think all five of us are too old to enjoy the digital. I think the 12, 13, 14-year-olds are the ones that will – the next generation of comic book readers will embrace the digital a lot more than us five. Well, to me, though, uh, there's a big difference between digital downloads and digital – distribution of music and comics because you download a song and it's going to play through your same speakers exactly the same as it would if you had bought a cd there's no difference in the experience but when you buy a comic a physical comic and read it it's entirely different than trying to read on a computer screen or especially on a fucking iphone screen where you get you know one panel at a time you don't even get the page experience well, to play devil's advocate, there's a difference between going to the movie theater and watching it on your iPad. Yeah, but well, I don't want to watch it on my iPad either. Digital <laughs> downloading. It, That's because we're too not, old. <laughs> it's, it's, it's also not going to do anything to stop pirating. It's absolutely not going to do anything to stop the pirating of comic books. Yeah. Well, and something that I was really glad to hear at the Comic-Con when uh, at this 
again, this Sunday conversation panel with the DO and Lee. Uh, Jim Lee is uh, a big part of the digital stuff, and he outright said, you know, they're not trying to replace print comics with digital comics. That's not something they ever anticipate happening, ever. It's just something else. You know, it's a different way to do it that they hope can help the print and maybe get younger kids into it, but they're not ever planning to replace print with digital, and that encouraged me a lot. I don't care if you have your digital as long as I can still have my print. Yeah. But, well, I I was going to hit up how newspapers are very similar, how they're embracing the digital because that's the only way they can survive, which I don't think comic books are that much different. No, I was about to say, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the... The Chicago Tribune Company and New York Times would have said, we have no intention to stop mm-hmm. publishing the newspaper. And, <laughs> you yeah. know, they may not have a choice. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that decision in, you know, in a few years may be made for them. So That's another example of kids. I think we're the generation that don't read newspapers as much as our, our parents did. And we, I read most of my newspaper content online, but anyway. Well, yeah, but to be is, fair, even though this generation you're talking about is, you know, getting in its 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. you still have uh, newspapers. Yeah, when, they uh, might not be doing as well as they were, but they're still there. Mm-hmm. When, when I the can Dallas still Morning News, the New York Times, and have it delivered to my door in Kentucky if I want. Yeah. When the Dallas Morning News called me for a subscription, <laughs> oh, this will um, be good. I told. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I told him some other reasons besides what I told about to say. But I, uh, I, one of the things I told them was, okay, do you realize that I can get more current, more in-depth news 24 hours than you guys deliver it now? And I said, everything in your paper, I've probably already read if it's national coverage. And the guy had no response to that. He had absolutely no response to that. I was like, on the Internet, I can get it off this site, this site, this site, this site, yada, yada. And you guys are just, it's, it's like, oh, it, it's like a friend coming up to you or calling you and saying, oh, hey, did you hear this? Well, yeah, I already heard it, jackass, but thanks anyway. <laughs> um, you know, you talk about um, the, uh, you know, I mean, newspapers and stuff are still here. But the thing is, like, for example, the Washington Post uh, auctioned off Newsweek, Newsweek magazine. I mean, you yeah. know, Newsweek magazine is a, uh, a, you know, iconic, you know, uh, news magazine. Uh but um, you know they auctioned it off, and the winning bid was one dollar. Yes. Now I, I haven't heard serious. this. This is neat. Now I'm yep. assuming that that means basically there's probably going to be like an assumption of debt, for example. Yep. I mean, I don't think it's literally you know the guy's going to pull out you know like on Cheers, you know Sam Malone when Sam bought the bar back for eighty five cents, or hmm. uh, you know you know the guy's not going to pull out his wallet, give uh, give the Washington Post company a dollar, and walk away with Newsweek. So there's, like I said, there's probably going to be an assumption of debt and some other things. But it was one dollar. I mean, wow. nobody wanted it. <laughs> you know, and that's a vener- that is a venerable news magazine. Uh, maybe not like Time, but still, I mean, Newsweek's been around forever. But th- th- there's no market for it. And uh, I, I, you know, who knows? But I, 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 th- I think newspaper. I think the print industry as a whole is on a very tenuous footing, and I think comic books are part of that. So. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, moving on to our review section. Uh, this one ought to be good. Uh, one Moment in Time, <laughs> Part 4, uh, Amazing 641. Uh, it's written by Joe Quesada. Pablo Rivera is the artist. Also, Joe Quesada reprinted some of his stuff. Uh, let's, let's start off with George. I've been wanting to hear this for a week. What, what, pros and cons, what do you got, sir? Um, pros, the Pablo Rivera artwork. Uh, you know, when it was there. 
um, was 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 decent. I liked it. He's a good artist. I like his style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not dynamic enough, I don't think, for an Amazing Spider-Man comic. Um, and we'll get into that with later reviews. <clears throat> but um, I so I so I like I like his artwork. Um, the pros stop there, <laughs> and everything else is an amateur writer trying to hammer home a point and doing it without any skill and doing it in a very clumsy manner. Mm-hmm. Um, everything in this is well. First of all, I mean, we look at we look at the way that the deal with, with Mephisto was affected or wasn't, or who the hell knows now. I need a spreadsheet. <laughs> Um, so the way that that was done, it, it was an admission, first of all, of, oh yeah, we screwed up with OMD. We screwed up big time. And we, you know, th- that was a, an admission that, oh, I guess, you know, we overshot that and we thought more people would be on board with the devil dealing spidey. And so it looks like, I, now from what I'm reading, I'm guessing it's gone now. Is this correct? Uh, you gotta le- read their letters pages. You mean the Mephisto deal? Okay, Brad, no, I shouldn't have to read their letters. No, no, that's, that, that was my point. I mean, you have to read the letters pages to understand what the hell's going on. Then it's fail. Deal. Then it's fail. Yeah. It's fail on right at the, right out of the gate. It's a failure. Yeah. If if anything, and and it's we've seen that other times with Wacker having to explain other things. Well, this didn't happen, and that didn't happen. Okay, if you're having to explain it in the letters page, yeah, something is seriously wrong with the way that you're with the way that you're telling stories. Yeah. And and one thing we've seen with Marvel and even DC is that some of the worst unnatural stories come from editorial edict, from from an editor trying to change the natural course of what fans are enjoying, you know, and to something that it's just something that they want, you know. And and that, what I've read online is that since the the bird hit the door, got oh the fat guy out. Um, the deal with Mephisto didn't even happen, hence the flashback pages. But I don't under, I just didn't get it. I, I really well, that's because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. And it's, it, the reason it does, it's like, you know, you, you know that thing that you tell kids, and JR probably knows this, when you're explaining to your kids, uh, Brad, you'll find out one day, about lying. And you point out to them, okay, one lie is gonna make another lie. <laughs> and, and that makes another lie. And it just yeah. keeps going. This is the same thing. Quesada did this because it's what he wanted to do, and ever since then, he's had to keep breaking stuff in an effort to put a Band-Aid on the stuff that he broke when he originally tried to fix what wasn't broken. Mm-hmm. So all he's done with one more day is set off a cascade failure of suck. <laughs> and it's and it's something that has – and I, t- I said this on the board the other day because somebody was like, you know, Spider-Man chatters down right now all across the Internet. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, there's no interest in this book because – did you read? You know, I mean the last full arc we had until, what, Wednesday was omit. And it, this is such a convoluted, stupid, amateurish hack piece of work. And I, I'm, there I said it. It's, it. It is hack work. Mm-hmm. And it's it, – it's something to where somebody, somebody who close to him, I don't know, maybe Brevert, somebody else needs to pull him aside it, and risk their job and say, you really need to stop. You really need to stop screwing this up because you're, you're gonna, you doing this is hurting Slot, who's gonna come in following you. And you know, sure, say what you want about Dan Slot. We've had our back and forth with Dan Slot. I feel sorry for Dan Slot because Dan Slot is a professional writer. Mm-hmm. And Dan Slott is being saddled now 
just 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 the way that the that the quote unquote brain trust was after OMD with this crap. This he has he's going to have the residue on this hanging over everything he does. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, the editorial direction, which keeps saying, and we'll get into this in the next reviews, which keeps saying, oh well, we have to keep saying this thing or we need this to go. It's all forced. It's not natural, and it is the worst storytelling in Spider-Man history ever. Wow, bar none. So you give it an A, huh? What's your grade? No, I give it, I give it, I give it, I give it an F, and I add a U to the end of it. Oh. <laughs> what What is the one scene in it that j- just? Because I have one scene that I'm going to talk about in my review that just is the the thing that just grinds on me. Is there a certain scene in there that you hate? Um, I I didn't like. I, I hated the dead end. I hated the dead end where it's like. Or, or not the dead end, but um, close to the dead end where, oh, she set me free. Mm-hmm. You know, and all the force. I, dude, as a Spider-Man fan since I was three, I have seen Peter and Mary Jane go through hell and back, and they never quit on one another. Or early, but I, I take that back. After they got married. You know, I, there was those awkward moments where he proposed to her. She left the country. That That's not exactly how events exactly played out, but that's the gist of it. Um, you know, but at, from the moment... You know, they struggle with the relationships. They finally got to a place where they were best friends and then realized they love one another. They get married. And from then on, sure, sometimes they'd have their doubts, but they were the, they were like the strongest comic book couple there was. They would fight through anything, and nothing was more important to each other than them, mm-hmm. even though they had other stuff to do. Well, especially Spider-Man. You know, he's got all his other crap to do. But it was it was an ongoing epic story of working through things, and it was – you know, it was – of not quitting on one another. And now I read the scenes with these two and I'm like these aren't this these aren't those same characters. Quesada has completely changed how these people act just because he didn't like them being married. I, and again it's this it's yeah. this cascade failure of suck. One thing he he tries to fix one thing or tries to make one thing more palatable and it keeps screwing other stuff up and he won't stop. Now there's going to be a third part of this Grand masterpiece. This is stupid. <laughs> All right, Jr. Follow that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my heavens! I was about to say I, uh, I, I follow I follow Mr. Berryman with my head bowed in uh, in submission and, and, and uh, bowed as Spider know. Shrine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, boy, I wish this story had never been told uh, because, to be honest, I didn't need to know any of this. Uh, and I knew, I knew, I knew it was not going to be worth a damn. I knew it was going to be awful. Um, but God, what more can I say? I mean, the first three parts were the binge. This part's the hangover. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's I, the hangover. It's the hangover, and then you realize all the stupid stuff you do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> nice. uh, I mean, it, the, the thing is, you know, let's step back a minute, you know, and, and forget. Okay, the whole deal with the devil. Just talk about the end of the relationship of Spider-Man and of Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson. This should be, I mean, if you want to get stop the marriage, you have to make it an emotionally devastating event. You know, you have to divorce them or something because, and I mentioned this in the last show, when there's a reference to knocking boots with Spider-Man. And in, in this book, in, the, in, in one of these, I think... I, I think it's the last part. Mary Jane says, I knew there were risks to being Spider-Man's girl. The emotional power of destroying this relationship is gone because if she's just Spider-Man's girl, I'm sorry, uh, you know, maybe it's because I've been married so damn long, but marriage is not just a piece of paper. 
when a person is your spouse, your wife, your partner, your equal, I mean, it's, it's, it's not just you and, you know, this latest fling in the hay. It's you and your partner facing life together and whatever life brings to you. When it's just your girlfriend, I'm sorry that even if you had a committed relationship, it's not the same and the emotional power is gone. So, you know, if they wanted to, you know, get rid of the relationship, fine, but they, the way they did it robbed it of its emotional power. Also, you know, again, I, and I will, you know, and, and, and you guys probably going George said this, so I'm going to say it, and I bet Brad's doing the same thing. The very end, which really frosted me, where Peter says, today, my best friend, the best person I've ever known, set me free. <laughs> and, you know, and then today is a brand new day. You know, I mean, that's soap opera in the worst, the absolute worst, but, <laughs> In a, as a per, I mean, dude, your most meaningful relationship has just melted down. Okay, it's gone. It's broke. You know, maybe forever. I don't know. Nothing is forever in comics, obviously. But you know, for this, for shits and grins, let's say that this is it. This is the end of the relationship. This has been the most significant relationship you've had with a woman. You know, and it's gone. And you're going. She set me free. Today's a brand new day. My God, you know, I mean, my, I mean, my wife and I have had our problems. We have had a lot of problems, you know, and I don't know, you know, I mean, who knows what happens when we cross 50 or 60, will it make it? But I can tell you, no matter how good or bad it gets, if it ends, I am not going to be saying I've been set free. Today is a brand new day. I am going to be one miserable son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, now, maybe this is where I don't relate because I'm so goddamn old. Because, <laughs> you know, because Peter's supposed to be 25 and probably they haven't been married that long, whereas I've been married 20 years. You know, we've been through three houses, you know, a job transfer, two kids. You know, maybe it is just, it's maybe it's not apples and oranges. But this is not how you react when a long-term relationship crashes and burns. This is awful, awful, awful. And another thing, uh, you know, and I'll try to keep this short, you know, where Mary Jane says, you know, oh, my God, my whole family is going to be a target. You know, I can't live with this anymore. And it's like, God damn it, you know, is your memory, have you got Alzheimer's? You know, I mean, she was kidnapped by Jonathan Caesar, for example, had nothing to do with Spider-Man. He could very easily have said, Mary Jane, I will kill kill your sister, her kids, and your Aunt Anna if you do not stay with me. He could very easily have said that. That had nothing to do with Spider-Man. Uh, she was attacked, you know, in a grocery store or somewhere because some nut confused her with the role she was playing. I mean, this is life. You know, she could, she could, you know, something could happen to her family that has nothing to do with Spider-Man, and that's ridiculous. And besides, how long did Norman Osborn know? <laughs> I mean, you know, she lived with Norman Osborn knowing, you know, for all this time, and, but now she can't live with it. Um, this is, is is just awful. I, I, and, is there and, any and, any pros to no, it, there's, I'm sorry, and I know I'm talking too long, but again, no, and also the fine. way they tried to do the way they've tried to do this time paradox thing, where they go back and now Mephisto is out of it. I'm sorry. Now Peter forgets the whole Mephisto deal. He's done something so major in his life, and now he's forgot it. He's forgotten the consequences. This is horrible, horrible drama. 
horrible, horrible, or as Charles Barkley would say, this was terrible, terrible storytelling. So, hey, Paul hey, Harvey, Brad, good day. Wow. Brad, can I can I add something to, the, to what yeah. JR just said? Yeah, go ahead. The fact that it looks like that the deal with the devil has been thrown out, or, or at least that, that you know, story-wise, Quesada erased it, that doesn't change the fact that Spider-Man made a, made a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't. I mean, he, the characters learned nothing from it. The character didn't realize, oh, crap, I screwed up. Yeah. It was an editorial eraser, and it does nothing for storytelling. I'm Okay, that's all. Is uh, I'll hit you guys up for one, one real quick second. Is is this uh, worse than bringing Aunt May back and all the consequences of that? Exponentially. Is this the worst error in Spider-Man history? Easily. JR? Boy, it's hard to beat the clone saga. I mean, uh, where, where basically they said, ha-ha, the Spider-Man you've been reading about for the last 20 years isn't the real Spider-Man. Ah, we got you. That's so more cute. fixable than this one. Yeah, but, but, but the yeah. thing was, he was still Peter Parker. Yeah, that's true. The, the, he, they didn't completely change who he was. and they didn't. Yeah, say, except well, he was slapping his wife around, but anyway. Right, <laughs> I mean, it's, but, but you know what I mean, though. I mean, it wasn't like suddenly you start reading these two scenes, you know, I mean, except for that one, except for that one moment, mm-hmm. they were still... They were still who they were supposed to be, and they were still in their regular, I guess, I don't want to say continuity, but, I mean, God, it still feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah. It still feels like everything has just spiraled off into a, a parallel what-if universe where nothing makes sense. They even That's used true. the what-if uh, image on that uh, previous issue of what if yeah. Peter and Mary Jane broke up. Uh, JR, I'm assuming an F. How do you? <sighs> Boy, I don't know. Either a D minus or an F. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. that one more day was worse, obviously, for various reasons, but it's got to be like a D minus minus, you know? Okay. Kev, what do you think, buddy? Oh, dear God, what do I think? <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe the worst thing is that this comic set me up. Because the first half was actually good, to my absolute shock and amazement. I thought the debate among Strange and Reed and Tony was actually pretty good, and it was actually fairly convincing. And, you know, in my my own parallel universe, I think I got lulled into, gee, maybe this part will break the trend and not completely suck prison ass. <laughs> but, uh, well, then Quesada's art came in and ironically sent, signaled a spiral down the drain for the entire comic. Dear God, I mean, you know, the guy's pretty much hit this stuff up already, but, I mean, MJ especially would never, ever act like this. All the emotions were completely false and forced. It was like a badly staged puppet show with two <laughs> completely empty characters that Casada's just kind of, you know, pulling the strings and putting voices in their mouths that aren't those people. Yep. It was god-awful. And, you know, again, they've already talked about this, but the worst part is the ending. I don't care if they were married or not. No man has an ex that he's still in love with. Kiss him and say I love you and then tell him to move on and then go feel great about the world and say it's a brand new day. What a crock of shit. That <laughs> Nobody acts like that, whether or not you're married. Not to mention... And we're, what we've seen, we have a lot of disbelief in this character. We can believe he can climb walls, he can web-sling, etc. But we believe no man can do this. The most relatable character in comics well, will ever do this. that's the entire point of this mm-hmm. kind of fiction, yeah. is you can believe stuff like that because the characters and the people are grounded, mm-hmm. acting like real people would. And this just threw that the fuck out the window. <laughs> and not to mention, yeah, from what we've seen of how brand new day Peter acts... 
he's not going to stop at a kiss. He would have tried to fuck her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I well. didn't believe that even from brand new day, Peter Parker. So, my God, this this comic gets a double F because <laughs> I felt double fucked. By the comic <laughs> <show>. <laughs> wow. Uh, Stella, is there any sunshine you can shine on the book? Um... I guess my only sunshine is that I enjoyed the cover and how the two figures were um, sort of merging with the background. I thought that was unique and a good touch. And the art, so that is really my only plus. I feel better knowing that you, Brad, and and other people – let me move my mic. I'm not sure if I'm – okay, there we go – were a little confused because as I was reading it, I felt really confused and I just thought, wow, am I just the biggest idiot in the world and I have no right to be che- uh, teaching the younger de- generation, but I'm glad that I was not the only one. Um, you know, I realize now that really the whole point of this was to, quote unquote, set Peter Parker free and, you know, answer everyone's question about the Mary Jane Peter Parker uh, relationship. So to kind of put it in a nice little bow Everything's resolved. Now Peter, without guilt, can go on dates and apparently uh, start dating Carly Cooper. Um, you know, the transitions were choppy, I guess, to, to kind of not go into the content, but the actual, um, how everything was made up. Uh, I thought going back and forth between the meeting of strange uh, Reed Richards and Stark and then going back to... Uh, Spidey and him talking to a levitating Mary Jane, who all of a sudden becomes coma, uh, uncomatose, I guess conscious. It was, I don't know, it was just out of this world. Um, you know, for some reason I was going through this, trying to get an idea, you know, am I going to give this an F? I had a really tough time even thinking of a grade, and I thought that no grade in the world could really fit this. And it reminded me of giving a student of mine a paper a particular prompt, I had requirements, and then just the student does not ref- fulfill the requirements. And so once again, at the second time in my podcasting history, I have to give this an I for incomplete because I just do not think that it fulfilled anything that it should have, and I was just completely bewildered. So that is my grade. One thing the other three didn't hit on, and I'll ask you, what did you think of the new word balloons on the old Quesada artwork? The new word balloons. Because they, they took Amanda. they took they took panels from the uh, uh, one more day. Oh right, and right. And then they recaptioned them. What, nobody hit on that. What do you what do you think of that? Um. Well, I I think that just added to my bewilderment because yeah. I was wondering, you know, well, didn't all this happen with the devil? But the devil is nowhere to be seen, so I'm really confused what they're doing here. And yeah, these pictures looked really familiar, but everything was very different. So I was just, I I don't know, was this like was one more day a rough draft? And then they went back and edited it, and then this is like the final draft. I was just I, that yeah. kind of added to my bewilderment. Yeah. So an I. Uh, yes. I'm gonna. Uh, I w- I gave the previous issue C's, and after hearing everyone here, I I originally start off with a D. I'm going down to an F. Oh, I'll, yes. I'll, I'll I'll agree with you guys. This is wow. a very this is a very out of character of Peter Parker and Mary Jane. There there are couple good things about it, but it doesn't raise it from an F. Stella hit on it. That cover is absolutely beautiful. I love the cover. 
But you can't judge a book by its cover now, can you? Uh, <laughs> I like the symbolism of the characters of Peter Parker and Mary Jane fading into the background. Yeah, I, I mean... Well, They're it's, gone. It's beautiful. The other thing that I liked in my pro part was... Uh, let's see. Dr. Strange, he says, quote, and because... While he may not be the most powerful nor the most brilliant among us, much like Steve Rogers, the boy is truly the best of us. He was. That, <laughs> that is straight on what Peter Parker is to the Marvel Universe, in my opinion, which I mm-hmm. thought that was solid. That Doctor Strange would say that to those two fellows. However, I don't like the reprint. It feels very cheap that they went back and they took the eraser and they erased the word balloons and put new captions in it. Uh, the, what, what, there was another line in here that I, I said, this is so out of character, Mary Jane. I, I bookmarked it. Hold on. Uh, at the very end, Mary Jane says, quote, I love you and I wish I was strong enough to be with you, Peter Parker, but I'm not. And I don't know if I ever will be. That is not the character that we've known and loved for 20 plus, well, hell, 30, 40, 50 years of Mary Jane. Mary Jane will never say that. I don't know what, They've done to the character of Mary Jane, but she is now absent from the books. Even if there's a red-headed person in the books, that is not the Mary Jane that we know and love. Uh, so F out of me, very disappointed. And like Jr. said, we could have gone without knowing this. I think they could have told the story of how his memory was erased from everyone in the Marvel Universe better if they would have just did that storyline instead of the whole... Ah, marriage thing, my God. And, and, and Stella, you're, you're correct. I have no idea how Mephisto is erased out of the storyline. I just don't get it. I mean, if he controls the, the time line and he's able to send a bird back into a timeline, I mean, why isn't he still in control? Yeah, so. that's, that's what I'm saying. This does nothing to erase the fact that yeah. Spider-Man made a deal with the devil. He, exactly. He still has made a deal with the devil. Yeah. And he, he, as I said last month, Kevin, he needs to kick Mephisto's ass, etc., and realize what happened. But you said they mm-hmm. can't do that because he'd be back married again. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's a catch twenty two. They into a complete corner where all they can do is completely reverse this, and we're just waiting. So uh, it's it's making it it's making it harder for a better writer, one who actually oh, yeah. knows how to write, to yeah. come along down the line and and fix this. I don't know of anyone that could. I really I, it, it can be done. I mean, I'm not going to say it's not going to be hard. I mean, and the more Quesada touches it, you know, the more it, it falls to shit. Yeah. But the oh, yeah. you know it's but the the more he touches it, it's just making somebody else's job a better writer's job. Like I said, a professional, a professional writer, not an artist, to tell the story. <laughs> Jeff Johns and, could he do it? Kevin? Yeah. Jeff, oh hell yeah. Jeff Johns could do it. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably the only one in existence. I mean, the more I read this, the more I am so glad. I launched Spider-Man Crawl Space two years ago because the farther this goes on, uh, it gets much, 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 much more difficult to do anything like that. Right. And, and Jr., you know how we were really pissed in the 90s when Norman came back? We felt a, I, I felt a little cheated. Did you feel cheated when Norman came back? Absolutely not. I loved it. <laughs> I know you did, but the uh, I felt a little cheated that Norman came back, and I felt a little cheated that Aunt May came back after such good stories of their deaths. 
But this uh, is just another thing that hangs over him. I don't know. I did feel cheated that Aunt May came back originally, but then after, and, and for a while, because he didn't do anything with her. I mean, uh, the next two years were just awful. The only significant thing she did was get a new haircut. Uh, but then J. Michael Stradinsky, uh, JMS, did a wonderful job with her and uh, gave us the event that was long overdue and coming, but, you know, Aunt May finds out. So in retro, in retrospect, I agree with bringing Aunt May back. Um, but, at, yeah, at the time, it was it was handled very, very poorly. I just want to see what where we'll be in ten years if we'll be like, uh, is, the, is the medicine worth, worth the healing? I don't know. No one wants to get thrown down their neck. Anyway. Um, nobody, was, nobody, was, nobody was sick to begin with. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that wraps up the first show of the month. We have two more coming out this month. But before I go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. A spider-related book that they're selling this month is the Osborne miniseries. Now, Norman Osborne is still scheming even when he's behind a jail cell. I know JR is going to pick this one up. The cover price, $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. For the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com, I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas.